Welcome to the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we're in the middle of our relationship series called It's Complicated. We all have them, we all love them, but sometimes relationships can be very complicated. In this series, we are going to look at all different types of relationships and how we can trust in the Lord to help us with them. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we hope you enjoy the message from the series, It's Complicated. Well, I am so glad that you are joining us today. We are in week two of our relationship series, and I'm excited to share on life-giving relationships. So for this whole series, it's called It's Complicated because we all know that our relationships can be complicated at time. But we're just going to be sharing about all sorts of relationships, not just marriage relationships, not just romantic relationships. But if you want a great message on that, make sure to watch last week's message that Pastor Jason spoke on marriages. But we are speaking on every single relationship we have, our friendship, our our relationship with um, people that we work with, all of the relationships, because we know that in our relationships, it can be complicated and we need to speak God's truth over our lives in that. And so all of this, this series, we want you to text in some questions. If you have something, if you have a difficult relationship, maybe you're facing and there's this thing that keeps showing up or maybe you don't know how to deal with it, we want to answer those questions for you. So at the very end of the series, the last Sunday in May, Pastor Jason and I, we're going to do a little bit of a Q&A series for, or a message for you, answering those tough questions. So you're going to see a number on the screen. Just text those messages, those questions, those thoughts into us, and we will do our best. We will pray over them. We will use godly wisdom to answer all of those for you. But today I wanted to talk about life-giving relationships, which can be so hard, like I said, because it is complicated. I'm sure you can attest to this, but our relationships, they can be challenging, and they can be wonderful, and they can be challenging, and they can be so um, awesome, and they can be challenging and complicated. And so that's what this series is all about. Our relationships, they can give us great source of joy. And in the same moment, maybe the very next moment, they give us pain and they can give us a great source of life and joy. And in the next moment, we can feel like maybe they're sucking all the life out of us. We are all in relationships and we can all feel all of these feelings. We can feel the gamut of emotions, the gamut of all these feelings. We can feel the highs, the joy, the love, the excitement, and we can feel the lows, the anger and the frustration and all of those things that deal with the difficult parts of our relationship. And in all of this, it's okay to feel Those feelings, feelings are there to actually help us. They're there to make sure that we're dealing with what we're going through. But here's the thing. If we don't deal with them, we press them down deep inside, sometimes they will bottle back up and they will come back up into the surface and we can sometimes explode. And so it's complicated. But in all of that, I want to encourage us with this, is that Even though all of these feelings, they're there to help us, our feelings sometimes tell us lies. Our feelings 
sometimes cannot be trusted. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a person. There is a way that I feel right. But in the end, it ultimately leads to destruction. And that's what it is when we go through this, these relationships and we have all of these feelings. Remember, sometimes our feelings will lie to us. And so we need to look towards God as a source of what is actually true in our relationships. It's complicated. These things are complicated. But I want to just this today share with you that life-giving relationships and hope for our relationships, it's possible. God wants us to have wonderful relationships. He doesn't want us to get stuck in the past. He doesn't want us to remember all our, our mistakes and all of our shortcomings. He wants us to have wonderful relationships that we can overcome the hard things. We can overcome the complicated things in walk in his mercies that are new every morning. I love that it says Jesus takes us from victory to victory. He takes us from every new beginning to new beginning. He is with us when we're in the miserable state of our lives and our relationships, and he will take us to those wonderful parts and stages of our relationships. His mercies are new every morning. But great relationships, they just don't happen um, by accident. It actually takes lots of work. And if you are in a relationship, if you are in a marriage, maybe a longtime friendship, you know you can testify to this. Relationships take work. They take our intention. They take our time. They take time to invest in them. But God truly intended us to have these wonderful life-giving relationships and not to be miserable in them. But the key thing to realize in all of our relationships, now this is a hard one, but the key thing to realize is that the only person we can control in any of our relationships is ourself. I'm sure everyone can say, yep, I know that to be true. We all know this. Sometimes we can see in our marriages, yep, I, there is no way I can control my spouse. He continues to do the same things. And then maybe when we get to be parents, we see this even more so. I cannot control my children. I want to. I want to really bad, but I cannot control the things that they say. Sometimes I cannot control their action. And when I had my daughter, she reminded me of this often. She would say, even as a two-year-old, you are not the boss of me. Only God is. But it's so true. The only person we can control in our relationships is ourself. The only person you can control is you. And the only person I can control is me. So a question I wanted to ask us today is that when people are in relationship with us, what are they getting? When a person is in a relationship with you, what do they get? When a person is in relationship with me, what do they get? Do they get negativity and criticism? Or do they get life and encouragement and strength? What do people get when they're in relationship with you? Because remember, the only thing we can control in this life is ourselves and our own actions. Now, the number one way that people relate to us 
is through our words. So today I not only want to go over life-giving relationships, but I want to go over speaking life. What are those words that we can speak over our relationships to take them to that next level, to make them better? Because what we say, it matters. It holds weight. It can speak life over a person, and it can speak death over a person. For this series, I have a lot of verses from the book of Proverbs, and I love it because it's filled with so much wisdom and so much truth, and most of the time, they're like these little one-liners, little nuggets of wisdom that you can just take with you and apply in your life at any moment. I'm also really loving the Passion Translation right now in this season. It's a newer translation of the Bible, and their focus is really just to... um, Translate the Bible in language, in words that use emotion, in words that we can actually feel and experience. And I've been loving it so much. So if you want to check that out, it is on your Bible app, or you can actually buy the Passion Translation Bible on Amazon. I know everyone will love it. I've been loving it so much. So all of my verses today are from the Passion Translation. And our first one, the one, the one main verse that I really think um, describes these life-giving relationships is found in Proverbs 16, 21 through 24. It says this, the one with a wise heart is called discerning and speaking sweetly to others, it makes your teaching, God's teaching, even more convincing. Wisdom is a deep well of understanding opened up within you as a fountain of life for others. Nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful, life-giving words, for they release sweetness in our souls and inner healing in our spirits. Now, the term life-giving is something that we're really passionate about at City Light. Now, five years ago when we started the church, this phrase, life-giving, was something that we wanted to make one of our core values. We wanted to be life-giving in all that we say and do. And it kind of stemmed out for maybe some of the things that we saw in our lives that were negative. And we wanted to make sure as a church, as we started City Light, that we were always speaking life and truth over your life, that we weren't beating you up with criticism or beating you up with the Bible, that, but we were encouraging you with God's truth and God's life-giving words over your life. So I'm sure all of you can say, wow, in like day, what is it, 60, 100th day of quarantine, stay at home, whatever you want to call it, that maybe you find yourself needing some of these life-giving words because, to be honest, what you see on the news and what you see on Facebook and all of these things can actually be giving us quite the opposite. We all are in need of some life-giving, encouraging relationships right around this season. Now, if you think back over your life and you think about what's a phrase that was spoken over you that has really shaped you and molded you, and in fact, I threw this question out on social media this week just to see what you guys would say, and a lot of you came back with some wonderful, positive phrases that some maybe some godly friendship has spoken over you, maybe your parents have spoken over you, and it was positive, and it was wonderful, and it was life-giving to you. But maybe some of you are here today and you're like, you know what? I have a hard time remembering some of the positive things, but I definitely remember some negative things that were spoken over my life. 
Maybe those words were harsh and hurtful and unkind. Maybe they spoke to your mistakes or your shortcomings. Maybe they even spoke to something that wasn't true, but because it was spoken over you, you believed it. Now, I'm sure that I have had so many wonderful, life-giving things spoken over to me by my parents and my friendships and people that believed in me. But when I look back in my life, there's actually, I actually remember a lot of the negative things. And there's actually one phrase, one thing that was spoken over me in my life that I will never forget. Now, some of you might know Pastor Jason's story really well, and you might not know my story that well, but when I was 15 years old, my parents at that time were going through a divorce. And right in that moment, it was such a wonderful moment because the Lord came in, and I actually invited Jesus in my life at that moment. And instead of my hurt and my pain, he came in and he offered to rescue me and to shower me with love. And it was such an amazing time because before that, I wasn't really going to church. I really didn't have a relationship with God. But when I was 15, I invited him into my life. And I know um, back then that I would never be the same. Because shortly after that, I felt very strongly that God had called me into the ministry. I knew that I wanted to be a pastor. I knew that I wanted to be um, in full-time ministry. So I did everything that I could at my church. I would do the prayer team and I would serve in the kids ministry. And I became a youth leader when I was in high school. And I was doing so many great things for the Lord. And I had planned to go to a Christian college so that I can become a pastor. And everything was just so wonderful. And I was having this boldness well up inside of me. And I was having these great things because I knew God had a great call in my life. And I wanted to share people's Um, I wanted to share with people the love that I felt in this moment because I knew that he would also do the same for others. So I was at the same season in my life that I actually started dating the pastor's son. Now, for whatever reason, whether it be um, that my pastor didn't want us to date Maybe he um, was walking through some fear things. Maybe he was um, walking through, he wanted to control what his son's life looked like. He wanted to control what his son was doing, and he really didn't want us to date. So he said these words over my life that I will never forget. And again, I don't think he said them out of cruelty, but maybe he said them out of fear. He said this to me. He said that if his son marries me, that he would never make it in the ministry. Now, maybe he saw my life and he saw that I come, came from um, a broken home. My parents were going through a divorce at the time. Maybe he saw me and he's like, oh, she's just a beginner Christian. She doesn't know what she's getting into. Maybe he saw to some of those things that I couldn't even control and he spoke to them. Instead of speaking into the greatness, he spoke into something that maybe was out of fear. And those, that phrase has stuck with me. At that moment, that phrase that you will ne- never make it in the ministry, something that I truly believe that God was calling me to do, that phrase began to make me feel insecure. It began to make me feel shy. It began to make me, it took all that boldness away, that one little phrase. And even though he later on asked for my forgiveness, 
and um, said that he, you know, those words, he didn't mean them, it still has stuck with me. It has taken me years to heal from that one phrase that someone has spoken over me. And I had to take years of healing of prayer to remind myself who God has called me to do, be, and what he's called me to do. Now, I wanted to share that very raw and hurtful and personal story with you this today because our words, they matter. They can speak life over someone and they can speak death. They can speak to our mistakes or they can speak to our failures. They have weight over our life. What we say it matters. It carries weight. Maybe something was spoken over you, something similar that called out your weaknesses. Maybe something that wasn't even true that you had to walk around with and try to overcome because someone chose to speak death over your life and not life. So if we all know this, if we've all even experienced this in our lives, if we experience these unkind words, then why is it so hard in our life to walk in life-giving relationships? Why is it so hard if we know that words hurt so much? Why is it so hard to keep them from coming out of our mouth, from keep them from coming and destroying our relationships? Because remember in our key verse, Proverbs 16, 24, it says, nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful words, life-giving words, for they release sweetness into our souls and inner healing into our spirits. Your words of life to someone can bring healing from those words that someone else has spoken over them. Remember, our words matter. They have weight. So I was thinking about this topic this week, and I was studying, and I was, as I was preparing my message, and I'm like, you know what? We all know this. We know that we should have life-giving relationships. We know that we should speak life. So why is it so hard for us to do sometimes. I know for me, sometimes it's so hard and, and I'm the one that's working on this a lot. I'm preparing messages to speak on this. Why is it so hard for me? And I was realizing that, you know what? Sometimes before we start having these life-giving relationships that we want, we have to start looking on the inside of us. And I found that a lot of times we have to reflect on our spiritual and our physical and our emotional well-being. Because the number one source I think that causes us from having these life-giving relationships, the one that we desperately want, is that we're neglecting the source that gives us life. It's maybe a spiritual struggle. I know I can testify to this. Sometimes when I am not spending that time with the Lord, or even if I'm spending time with God, but I'm rushing it, I'm just doing it to do like a little checkbox in my life, if I'm not truly going to him for the source of life, I'm going to fall short in my day. If I'm not putting his words of encouragement and life in me, then I, it's going to be very hard for me to pour them out to somebody else. It's a spiritual thing. We all know this. We can feel those days where we're grumpy and we're maybe unkind, maybe we're short. And it's so funny, sometimes when my husband sees me in maybe this mood a little bit, he's like, honey, have you spent any time with the Lord today? 
Or maybe he won't even be as direct. Maybe he'll just like quietly, secretly go turn on some worship music and put that on in our house so that our moods are all lifted. We remember the source of life so that we can be life-giving. Maybe for you, it's a physical thing. A couple weeks ago, I spoke about how we replace God's um, or our anxiety with God's peace. And I shared a little bit about my story of being in some chronic pain um, since October. So maybe you are in physical pain. Maybe there is an illness in your body that's taking all your strength just to focus on that. Maybe you wake up every day and there's this giant thing over your life, this giant source of pain that you can't control. And so because you're focusing so much on it, it's really hard to be life-giving because it's honestly sucking a lot of that out of your life. Maybe it's a physical thing for you. I know last week I came home from physical therapy and in physical therapy, I'm on machines and I'm stretching and I'm doing exercises. And so when I come home, sometimes my body has really just had enough and I am like done for the day. And I could feel it as soon as I walked in my house, I noticed my kids were fighting over their Nintendo Switch. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to just yank it out of their hands and toss it out the window. I was so done. And then my husband sees me and he's like, oh, honey, how about I help you make dinner tonight? And he saw that he can maybe encourage me a little bit by helping me out. And again, he put on some worship music and everything. And he was just trying to, again, speak life instead of saying, why are you so cranky right now? Why are you doing this? Instead, he chose to speak life. He chose to help and he chose to do the things that he knew, knew to do to help me in that moment, to help me cook dinner, to help me with the kids, to help me turn on worship music. But maybe for you, that struggle is real. Maybe it's a physical struggle for you. Maybe it's an emotional struggle. Maybe you've walked through some really hurtful relationships in your life and you found yourself just getting really critical because of them. Now you might have, have you might have a critical heart and maybe it's because you're just trying to put a barrier up. You're trying to protect yourself from people, from harsh words, from other people's harsh words. But what we don't realize sometimes is when we put up a critical heart, then we tend to spew out that criticism to others. Maybe they didn't even do anything wrong, but because they reminded us they were a trigger of something else that has happened in our life in the past that was negative, because they were a trigger, they got all of our unforgiveness in our harsh words because they triggered us. They triggered us feeling an emotion that we don't want to feel, so we're burying it and we're putting up a wall. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe that's a struggle. And that's why we can't have life-giving relationships. But the wonderful part is that in all of this, whether it's spiritual, physical, or emotional, God is there with us. Whenever I feel like I'm struggling in my relationships, whenever I feel like I'm struggling to be life-giving, I always reflect and go back on those three things. Is it something spiritual in my life right now? Is it something physical? Is it something emotional? Because when we identify them, then we can walk in freedom because identifying is the first step and then we can surrender it and give it to God and then walk in life-giving relationships. So we can all choose to do that inward reflection. We can all choose to examine our heart. 
But the great thing is, is that we don't have to have that all solved, all fixed and all perfect before we can have life-giving relationships. And today, I just wanted to give us five practical things that we can do today to have life-giving relationships. Maybe one of these things will register more with you as I go on. The first one is walk in love. Sometimes this phrase can be so simple, but we forget that it's exactly what God has commanded us to do. He said, because I love you, love others. It's a thing that he is giving us, that he is showing us to walk in, and then we'll have life-giving relationships. When we walk in love, our relationships will walk in love. I love what John 15 says. It says, so this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. When we choose to walk in love, even if that person has wronged us, when we choose to walk in love, even though our bodies might be going through pain, we can do great things. We can give love because it's Christ's example. He surrendered. He sacrificed his life for us so that we could have his love. And we are to do the same. We are supposed to sacrifice our own needs and our own things so that we can give life to others. It's so simple, but it's our first step. Walk in love. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as an expression of love. The second practical way is how we can have life-giving relationships today is to speak life. We know, I've said it about five times now, our words matter. They hold life, they hold truth, they hold power. So speak life. Maybe instead of speaking to someone's weaknesses, we speak to their strengths. Maybe we speak to not what we see, which could be maybe they're having a bad day, maybe they're grumpy, maybe they do have a critical heart. But instead of working and speaking on that, maybe we speak on God's greatness and God's purpose and God's calling in their life. So many times I know that I have tried to speak life over someone else. And when I do that, I see them kind of well up inside. They get a strength. And when I, in maybe a different moment, turn and use critical words, maybe I, I speak to their shortcomings. You can actually see it in a person. I can definitely see it when I do this with my children. They go downward. It's crushing it doesn't help give them life at all when we criticize. We got to remember to speak life. Proverbs 15:4 says, "When you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. But unhealthy, negative words do nothing but crush people's hopes." So speak to people's strengths. Call out their greatness. I know some of you might say, well, I just say it as it is. I just tell the truth. I speak my mind and I say how the things that I see. But the thing that we're not realizing is that when we do that, yes, it, it may be the truth. Maybe our spouse is grumpy today. And maybe we could say, why are you like this? I can't believe you're always like this. Um, I can't believe you're de dealing with this. We could do that. We could be speaking truth in the situation. But it's not speaking God's truth over their life. God's truth 
is that they are a wonderful new creation in Christ that no matter if they make mistakes, they can walk in new things. God's word over their life is going to call to their strengths. And the wonderful thing is that all of our personalities show a part of God's character. We all show a part of God's virtues in us. So speak to those great things that you see. Speak to someone if you see that they um, show joy, God's joy. Speak to those things that you see. Oh, I can see God's power in that, re- in that person's uh, personality. Speak to that. Speak to if you can see, oh, I can see loyalty in that person. Speak to that. Oh, I can see that person is so peaceful. They are always trying to bring peace wherever they go. We all carry God's character. We all carry his character traits in us. Speak to that over your relationships. Proverbs 14.1, every wise woman encourages and builds up her family, but a foolish woman over time will tear it down by her actions. Don't be someone that tears down your relationships because of your actions. Again, we might not feel like we should be speaking life, but choose to speak life over each other. The third practical way of how we can have life-giving relationships today is this, is to show empathy. Now, empathy was never a word that I grew up on. In fact, I maybe not, never have heard this word maybe, maybe a decade ago. It started coming in our vocabulary. People were talking about, oh, have empathy for others. And what that truly means, it doesn't mean that um, you have pity on others. What it is, is that empathy is the ability to see the mind and the hearts of others so that you can try to understand their thoughts or why maybe they're acting the way that they are. It truly is just putting yourself into someone else's shoes. And I know that if we do this, if we show empathy in our relationships, it will cause us to have a lot less problems in them. Matthew 7, 12 says this, In everything you do, be careful to treat others in the same way you would want to be treated. For that is the essence of all the teachings in the law and in the prophets. Now, a wise person once told me to have the benefit of the doubt in all your relationships. To if someone's having a bad day, to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they are truly walking through something hard and they need your empathy. Another phrase that this wise person instilled in me, and it's something that I actually use a lot in my life, I remind myself, I remind my relationships, it's this. It's just to ask this one simple question. What else could it be? Maybe someone cut you off in traffic if you're still driving, and you got so angry, and you're like, oh, I can't believe this person. Maybe this person is just a jerk, just an angry jerk. And instead, you can ask yourself, well, what else could it be? Maybe that person is late because maybe they're rushing to the hospital. Maybe they have a loved one that's in need. Maybe they're having a rough day. Maybe they don't know the love of the Lord. And so they are going about their morning, living in just, I don't know, a grumpy, um, critical life. What else could it be? Maybe your friendship, maybe that one friend that you communicate every week hasn't texted you this week. They haven't called. They haven't reached out. You've texted them. You saw that you, they read your text, but they never responded back to you. And you start thinking, 
oh my gosh, I can't believe my friend is, is not responding to me. What is, does she not want a relationship with me? What's going on? And instead of letting your brain go that way, stop yourself and ask yourself this one question. What else could it be? Maybe your friend is going through a hard time right now. Maybe she's actually walking through a little bit of depression and she doesn't know how to deal with these feelings. And so she's not reaching out. Maybe it could be something else. But whatever it is, before we go to the critical part, before we go to the negative, ask yourself, give empathy and say, what else could it be? So another practical way to have life-giving relationships today is to extend grace. And I love this one because in the midst of all of this, we are not perfect. I am not perfect. I study a lot on how to be life-giving and I fail a lot. There are a lot of times where the words that come out of my, my mouth are not life-giving and I have to make sure that I'm examining and dealing with this. And as much as I focus on this, I fail. And I'm sure you can attest to this too, as much as you try to work hard in your life-giving relationships, as much as you try to be life-giving, we come up short sometimes, we make mistakes. Sometimes we can say things. Sometimes as a pastor, I might have said something over someone and I never knew how it made them feel. And I need grace. And I know that you need grace. And we need to give each other grace because none of us is perfect. Proverbs 17, 9 says, Love overlooks the mistakes of others, but dwelling on the failures of others, it devastates friendship. Dwelling on mistakes will devastate our friendship. Now, a lot of us might have um, thought, well, I'm, you know, I'm getting better. I'm working more on my relationships. I'm working more on myself, so they should too. And I get it, and I've been there. But again, our relationships, they don't need our criticism. They need the life that we can bring, and they definitely need our grace because we need it too. The fifth practical way, the last way that we can have life-giving relationships today is probably the most important one, probably the one we overlook the most, and it's remember to pray. Remember to pray for your relationships. A lot of times in prayer, we seem to focus in our, in ourselves on what we need and what our fa immediate family might need, and maybe we forget to surrender these hard relationships, these complicated relationships into the Lord's hands. And we do that through prayer. When we pray about people that are hurting us, when we pray about people that maybe we have unforgiveness towards and we surrender that to the Lord, he comes in and he helps us with that forgiveness. He comes in and he takes that struggle. He takes the load off of our shoulders and we can make sure that we just surrender it to him and he brings his peace and comfort into our lives when we pray for our relationships. Now, a lot of us have heard this verse, pray for your enemy. And sometimes when I read that verse, I'm like, well, I don't know if I really have any enemies. I mean, I try to like to have a lot of good friendships and I, maybe this verse really doesn't apply to me, but I want us to look at this verse real quick and view it in light of our complicated, wonderful, life-giving, sometimes critical relationships. Matthew 5, 44. 
However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you, do something wonderful for the one who hates you, and respond to the very one who persecutes you by praying for them. So what if we looked at this verse in light of these relationships? It might say something like this. However, I say to you, love your complicated relationships, your hard marriages, your friendships. Speak a blessing over that family member, even if they said bad things about you, even if they did bad things towards you. Do something wonderful for that difficult person at work, the one that you can't stand, the one whose personality just makes you cringe. Do something wonderful for them. Respond to people who have chose to hurt you, who have chose to speak damaging words over your life by praying for them. What power is in God's word? What a great reminder that sometimes we see enemy and we see such a strong word. We don't have any of that, but it just means someone in conflict with us. And these are the things that the Lord wants us to do. Surrender, bless them, love them, speak life to them. Because ultimately God is the only one who can truly change others' heart. We can't control them. I wish we could, but we can't. God is the only one who through the Holy Spirit can change people's hearts in our relationship. The only person we can control is us. The only person you can control is you. So reflect today. Reflect, is there something inward that I'm dealing with? Is it a spiritual struggle that's causing me to have these type of relationships? Is it something physically or is it emotionally? Because when we start examining in there, examining in our spirit, in our bodies, in our minds, then we can truly make the conscious effort to love others well. We can truly make the conscious effort to show empathy, to walk in someone's shoes, to say what else could it be? We can truly choose to extend grace to people even if they don't deserve it in the moment. moment. But we know we don't deserve it either. So we can extend grace and we can pray for them. So I wanna close with this one verse And I feel like it wraps up everything that I spoke to you today on. It's found in Ephesians 4, and it says this, Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you've experienced your full salvation. Never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside your bitter words, your temper tantrums, your revenge, your profanity, your insults, but instead be kind and affectionate to one another. God Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Jesus Christ. Let's pray today. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that you long to connect with us and to speak to us every single day. Lord, we lift up our relationships to you. Help us to release them to you. Help us to surrender the control that we want into your hands. 
Help us to look deep inside our hearts and take control of our own actions. Help us to be life-giving in all that we say and do. Help us to use our words to encourage one another, to build each other up, to offer empathy and grace. Holy Spirit, help us to stop saying those hurtful things over the ones that we love the most. Help us to be kind and forgiving, God. Give us a fresh start, the fresh start that we need every day to walk in your love and your grace and to have life-giving relationships. We love you, Lord, so much. Now, as we continue to pray this today, if you're here and maybe you've never even taken that very first step, which is to surrender your life to God. Maybe you've never connected with the source of life and you need him to come into your life and to pour that life over you. I would love to pray for you today. In a moment, our hosts in our chat rooms, they're gonna post a button that simply just says, I wanna give my life to the Lord. I'm surrendering my life to the Lord. I wanna accept his salvation. Would you press that right now? And if you're on Facebook, if you're in the chat window there, would you just simply say, would you be bold enough to simply say, I want to give my life to the Lord today because we want to know who we're praying with and we would love to pray for you. So go ahead and hit that button or make that comment. And then let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for sending your son to pay for my sin. Today I receive your forgiveness and your peace. I surrender my life to you. Change me, make me more like you. Be the Lord of my life and help me live with all of my heart for you. In Jesus' name, amen.